Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, where we can look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 513. Royal Caribbean revealed details about its new adult-only area. I'm in a perfect day at Key. So this week, I wanted to talk more about this and what it means for your future trip to Perfect Day. Here we go. Like many of you, I was intrigued when Royal Caribbean announced a couple of years ago that it was going to build an adult-only area at Perfect Day at Coco Key. Ever since Royal Caribbean revamped the island in 2019 and transformed it into Perfect Day, I have been a huge fan of Perfect Day. While I can appreciate the pristine nature, if you will, of the old Coco Key, in my opinion, the upgrades are significantly better overall, from dining, things to do, choices for options, and many more activities. I think it's just a huge win, and if nothing else, it has a dock instead of a tender, that alone is worth it, but I've really been a fan of what they've done. I really like it a lot more. He went from an island that I was like, hey, whatever, to like, I really look forward to it every single time we go. And a lot of that has to deal with these upgrades and amenities. You know, there's a place and a time for places like a Cozumel, a Rome, a Aruba, right? Ports that really bring you into the local culture and the history and what these places are known for. I'm not sure a beach in the middle of the Bahamas is not necessarily fall into that category, and that's okay. I like that Royal Caribbean has private island for something just a little bit different. Maybe it's because it's a little more curated, maybe because you don't need to put as much thought into it as you do to other places, or simply, I just like the fact that my drink package works there. Whatever the case may be, it's really nice going. So, when Royal Caribbean announced an adults-only area, like many people, I was intrigued by this. Now, I'll freely admit... I wasn't necessarily part of the crowd that was saying we want an adults-only area, partially because I've got kids who are still pretty young. So even if there was such an area today, we really can't take advantage of at least my kids with us because, of course, we need to be with them. And the new hideaway beach areas for people that are 18 and above. And we'll talk about more of that in a second. But regardless of that fact, I still think there is a good need for this area. And at the end of the day, I'm also very happy with anything Royal Caribbean does to help expand capacity and spread people out. I've generally found Kogoki to be very well accommodating in terms of crowds, but it can get very busy. And to that fact, I'm always for more space and things that draw people away from everything else. So it's a win-win really in a lot of cases. But we got a lot of details this past week about Hideaway Beach, what it is, what we can expect, and I think it's really interesting to talk about. There's a couple things that really stand out about this area. First and foremost, Hideaway Beach is a limited capacity area designed to accommodate between 1,500 and 2,000 guests, and it will cost extra to get in there. It's somewhat similar to the Coco Beach Club in the sense that you need to pay in order to get in. At one point, it was seeming like maybe Roll Green was going to go in the direction of it being complimentary with some add-on costs built in there, like Cabanas as an example, but clearly, for whatever reason, that didn't materialize. So instead... You've got an admission cost to get in. Again, you have to be 18 years old or older. And you can already start pre-booking your beer cruises. Uh, the Hideaway Beach Club is going to open at least in January of 2024, right when Icon opens up. I'm not sure if there'll be soft openings or, you know, other ships that'll get in there first. But for the time being, it looks like Icon on the inaugural sailing, which I'll be on, is the first one. Now, I was able to purchase it for $70.99 per adult for the Icon inaugural sailing. I believe since then it's gone up about 10 bucks or so. But I kind of priced it out across a number of different cruises that I have booked. And it's not a scientific thing. It's just how I've looked at it. I've got an icon in February. That's $2.99 a person. Wonder this is in March, $4 to $3.99. 
Icon in June of 24 for actually, which is our Royal Caribbean blog group cruise on Icon of the Seas. More details at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. That comes in at $79.99 a person. Utopia of the Seas inaugural sailing, which I'll be on, $70.99 a person. So basically, you're looking at between, let's call it $40 and $90, somewhere in that ballpark. And again, there's always a little bit of a free cruise discount if you purchase it before the cruise. And that's the cost for admission. That gets you in. And once you get in, you have access to, of course, the beach, the infinity pool, the loungers and umbrellas, and there's complimentary food in there. You've got a couple of neat options coming there. Not only is there a pool, which, by the way, I'm a huge fan of the pool. I can appreciate the ocean. I go to the ocean occasionally, but I much prefer the pool. Let's just put it this way. I just, I'm more comfortable there, and it just seems to work out quite well for me. There'll be complimentary in-water hammocks resort-style loungers and umbrellas to keep you, you know, perfectly shaded there. And it's pretty big, about eight acres. I'm kind of surprised by just how large this space is. Now, food and drink, there's going to be a beach bar, a new venue, and a couple other places. There's On the Rocks, which is an alfresco bar along the rocky shores. I'm a fan of this because this reminds me a lot of the Wacky Seagull Bar on Chill Island and the bar in South Beach. I can't remember its name. Both of those are kind of near the water. And that allows for more of an ocean breeze. You can get, I don't want to say stifling, but it can get pretty darn warm at Koki, especially in the summer months. So having a breeze really makes a difference. And I just like the view as well. So that's really neat. There's also a couple of new restaurants coming. You've got Slice of Paradise, which Roller Cardini says is an all new rustic pizza haven with complimentary food, includes fresh from the oven pizzas. And of course, you'll have the Snack Shack. And what's different about the Snack Shack here on the Hideaway Beach is that while it includes all the usual favorites, mozzarella sticks, crispy chicken sandwich, and all that, they're also going to have some new options there that they haven't quite divulged what that'll be. I should also mention there's also going to be the sports bar element to On the Rocks, and you can watch uh, sports games, you know, whether it's football, baseball, whatever, uh, from the bar. This is something you couldn't have done before at Coco Key. And then, of course, there are cabanas. Uh, there's the hideout cabanas, and there's the hideaway cabanas. The hideout cabanas really stand out because... Uh, they are in an area called the Hideout, henceforth their name, and they have in-water loungers, outdoor shower access, Bluetooth speakers. What's really cool is that it has access to an infinity plunge pool. So when you're in your cabana, you go immediately into this plunge pool, whereas the hide-away cabanas are simply beach cabanas, right? They're set on the beach, and it's kind of similar to any beach cabana you have anywhere else in Coco Key. Of course, the cost of these really does vary. I've seen right now somewhere in the ballpark of about $2,000-ish for the hideout cabanas and maybe $1,500 or right around there for the hideaway cabanas. So anyway, you got to get this idea. So this is the main area. So what do I like? What don't I like about hideaway beach? First and foremost, they're charging for admission. So what do I think about this? Well, listen, I don't want to pay for anything more than anyone else does. Let me put that first forward here before I give you the, the upside to this. Um, I certainly thought it was going to be a complimentary option. Uh, and of course, that just goes to show you that I am terrible at predicting the future. But I thought they were going to go in that direction, but clearly they're not. And I think maybe part of the reason might be to control admission. As I mentioned, Royal Caribbean envisions this place being about 1,500 to 2,000 passengers. And if they made it complimentary and anybody can come and go as they please, the issue might quite simply be an overcrowded scenario that doesn't make it enjoyable for anybody. You know, uh, you could say that, well, how is that different than any other spot on the island, map? That's a really good point. Whether it's Waste Lagoon, Chill Island, South Beach, you know, you go to these places that overwhelm those places. I think naturally people say, oh, there's too many people here going somewhere else, right? But I think that 
Royal Caribbean for two reasons. One, they want to make money. Let's not pretend they don't want to make money because that's exactly why they're making this choice. But also, I really do believe it'll help control the crowds a little bit. We'll see on that. But I think that's at least part of it. I'm not a fan of it. That being said, I was surprised the pricing was lower than I would have thought. When I first saw it was going to be charged, I thought, okay, here we go with the Cocoa Beach Club. The Cocoa Beach Club, which is admittedly a more elevated experience, their pricing started out at like $50 to $100 a person, which was pretty reasonable at the time. And that was back in 2020 and 2021. And since then, it's skyrocketed. Uh, and now you're looking at easily $200 a person to get into the Cocoa Beach Club. Royal Caribbean has said that they've actually going to keep the beach club pricing higher than the Hideaway Beach area, and Hideaway Beach will be less expensive. And as of right now, below $100 a person, I think, quite frankly, that's a reasonable price to get in there. It's a nominal fee. You do get the, of course, the, the added extras that are here, including not only limited capacity, but also some of the dining venues, access to another pool. I, I kind of like that. At the current price, I can live with it. I think it's a very reasonable price. Uh, would I love it to be cheaper or free? Yeah, absolutely. But again, I think it's not nearly as bad. Like I know the Cocoa Beach Club pricing, in my opinion, is just simply not worth it. I get this question all the time. Is it worth to go to the Cocoa Beach Club? I've been there a few times. So it's hard for me to judge that based on someone who's never been there. But it's also hard to say, yeah, two people at the Cocoa Beach Club, let's assume $225 a person, you know, $500 or $450, you know, for, for two people to go is really worthwhile when you have some really good options that are complimentary elsewhere. That's hard. To, that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, 50 bucks a head, $70 a head. I can swallow that one. That's a little more reasonable, especially for people that really value being away from the families. I have no doubt that Royal Caribbean heard a lot of feedback from people that went along the lines of, I would love for you guys to build an adult-only area. Heck, I would pay you to go to an adult-only area because I don't want to spend my pool day with a bunch of kids, something to that effect. I am sure comments along those lines have been made, whether or not they were serious about the paying for it or not. Sorry, but I really do believe that is definitely in the heart of a lot of people who were really, really wishing for an adults-only area. And Royal Caribbean says, out of guest demand, they built this adults-only area. So, you know, you could take it at their, them at their word or not, but I really do believe the demand was there the pricing, I think, serves two purposes again. One is to make the money. Let's not pretend it doesn't. But two, I really do think it also helps control the crowds. My other hope is that Hideaway Beach is going to draw people away primarily from the Oasis Lagoon. I've loved Oasis Lagoon ever since it opened, but Oasis Lagoon has slowly turned into a MTV Spring Break party crowd, especially if you go there past about noon or so. In the morning, it's not too, too bad, but then the DJ gets out there, and the music starts playing, and by 2 o'clock, heck, even before then, it is just a lot of people in one small area around the, so about bar, that is. If you're on the other ends of the Waste of Lagoon, you probably won't even notice it, or as much so, anyway. Um, it's just not my vibe. It, number one, it's loud, and I'm getting old, and that's not my thing, but I, I like music at the pool. I like music when I'm having a drink. I don't love the club-style music at the pool, and this sense of, I feel like I'm in the middle of a spring break party. At one point in my life, that would have been very ideal. I'm not quite there at this point. I, I've done it a couple times already, and I haven't hated it by any means. So there's, there's definitely photos of me over there, and I've enjoyed my time. But these days, I'm kind of like, okay, I've been there, done that. I don't really need to do it. I would love a different alternative from that. My hope 
is that Hideaway Beach is going to draw away that crowd. Hideaway Beach is going to have a DJ there. That's also one of the points of contention or a plus, depending on your perspective, of the new area, that they're going to have a DJ. And Royal Caribbean really points that this is really going to be like a Vegas-style pool party. If you've been to Las Vegas and got of their pool parties, they are events. They're not just a pool. It is a place to be and seen and to enjoy. Now, there's the Royal Caribbean did say, there was an interview that came out a couple days after they announced it, that they're still going to keep the DJ, they think, at the Oasis Lagoon. I just, first of all, I would love for them to get rid of the DJ at the Oasis Lagoon, but if they're not going to, I just really hope it's a little more tame at Oasis Lagoon. I hope it's a little quieter. I, I would really love that. And if, in a perfect scenario, I would say, would be for Royal Caribbean to have Oasis Lagoon turn into more of a calming experience. If you ever went to Waste Lagoon in the first months it was open when cruising first restarted, I felt actually this is back in 2019, not even that. It was far better. I just feel like they 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 upped the DJ game at a Waste Lagoon. And it's just not my style. That being said, by the way, I've heard a lot of comments about the DJ music in general and people not liking that. It's undeniably popular. I don't care what my opinion is. If you go to Waste Lagoon today or tomorrow or next week, or any day, and you go to the Oasis Lagoon, you are going to see a lot of people who are at that pool having a good time. It is a very highly rated experience for Royal Caribbean. So, while it may not be my cup of tea, I do realize and recognize that it is indeed a very popular activity for a lot of people. So again, my hope is just that I'm, I'm cool with Hideaway Beach doing that, because it is an adult-only vibe. Let's keep it a little tamer at Oasis Lagoon. Maybe that's wishful thinking. I don't know. But in terms of the music... This has been really, I think, I think there's been two issues people have pointed out with Hideaway Beach. Two complaints. The cheap, the two chief ones. One, it costs extra. And two, the DJ. Uh, and, and there are some people that basically are saying, well, I like the dive in adult area. I don't mind paying for it, but I really don't want DJ music. Now, it's hard to know what it'll look like or how it'll actually behave. These worst for basis all on press releases and concept art. Who knows? Like I said, it's a couple of acre lot. So it's fairly large. And that means that my or my hope is that the music will be where the DJ is, kind of like a waste little unit is. But as you move away from it, you won't necessarily hear it. Now, of course, if Rilker is piping that music all around the area, well, then there that doesn't matter at this point. But my hope is that the music is you can go to other areas of either the infinity pool or the beach, obviously, and not have to hear it per se. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. Again, I can see why Rill did the DJ option. Because again, Oasis Lagoon is proof of theory right there that it is very popular. And it's arguably one of the busiest places you'll find at Perfect Day. Highest concentration of people. So I can see why they went in that direction. Again, it's not my thing. And I would point out for everybody saying, why can't they just play a guitarist or, you know, classic rock or something to that effect? Roller has tried that. Great, it's not the exact same thing. But if you ever got to Captain Jack's, which is the bar area when you first walk off the ship, it's the, in the Arrivals Plaza, it is the large building right in front of you. There's a bar. It's, a lot of people use it as a walkway to get point A to point B. Anyway, in the afternoon, they have a guitar that plays classic rock songs, things of that nature. And you know what? No one's ever there. I mean, there are people there, usually people that were already there to begin with. They're like, oh, look, there's music. Or people passing through from their, on their way back to the ship, and maybe they stop in to catch a set or two. But it's, not nearly as popular as the DJ music. Now you can say, well, Matt, one's in the pool, one's at a bar. Which do you think is going to be more popular? That's a fair point. But I, I just think that without a doubt, World Cup is going for that Vegas-style pool party vibe, which is really the thing they're going for. Now, why are they going that direction? I think it's popular. 
I think it endears them to an audience that they're looking to attract, which of course are younger folks. There's something wrong. Not to say that they don't have a, an interest in people that are my age or my parents' age to go on cruising. Uh, that's always going to be part of their playbook, but I think they're looking to expand into perhaps the market that Virgin Voyages um, currently encompasses to some extent. Who knows? I, I, it's hard to it's it's hard to say. Um, you know, there was an interview. I'm going to read a quote here uh, from uh, one of Royal Caribbean's executives who talked a lot about this. Royal Caribbean associate, vice president of private destination development, Claudia Diaz Gonzalez. I've known Claudia for a little while now, and Claudia was chiefly responsible for the development of Perfect Day. She had her fingers in the mold, if you will, when they were developing that in 2019. So this is not her first foray into Perfect Day. She's really been ingrained in this. And she said, uh, this was an interview for last week, she said, quote, Hideaway Beach will be perfect for couples, friends traveling together, maybe a bachelor or a bachelorette party you're helping put together. Think Las Vegas pool party vibes, DJ dancing, the drinks, grab-and-go options, and again, adults only. I mean, you know, I think this, I think it's going to be very popular. I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people, and I think it's going to be a home run for the cruise line in the sense that it's going to deliver exactly what they're hoping to do. And that's a bold statement because they haven't really built yet, but I really think the, the, the blueprints here that I'm looking at, the DNA with the rest of the island, it's hard to imagine it not doing well. The questions I have going forward are, what about how far away will you hear the DJ music? Are there areas of Hideaway Beach that could be quiet? Will the cost of Hideaway Beach remain in this, let's call it, forty to ninety dollar range, which is, in my opinion, reasonable? And will it be a sellout every single time? Will it sell out eighty percent, fifty percent? Not at all. We'll have to wait and see how popular it will be with a lot of people. Remember, when you go on a cruise ship, and this is something that, you know, we're here in Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, right? This is a this is very much a niche audience. We have a lot of people who have cruised a lot. We have some new cruise as well. But when you go on an average Royal Caribbean ship, and you can pick any ship in the fleet pretty much, and you go to the top tier party, in which they break down people that are there, about half the ship at least are new cruisers. So there is a big audience for this, and there's a lot of people who are looking for you know, that, that, that place for perfect for couples, friends traveling together, maybe a party group, right? I mean, that's going to be, I think, part of the nation. So I think it's going to be a win for them. I'm curious to see how the, closely the execution matches up to the design. But I purchased my admission, and they're granted part of that is out of curiosity from a research standpoint to bring to you, you all what it's like. I'll certainly do reporting on that as we go in there. But I, I think... There's a lot of people who may certainly have an, an issue with them charging for it, but I think a lot of those people also ended up booking admission as well, at least in the temporary, like in the, in the interim, until they make their final decision there. We'll have to wait and see on that. I'm curious what you all think about Hideaway Beach. Let me know in the comments for this episode what you think about that. All right, friends, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I answer the emails you sent me all about Royal Caribbean. You know, just email me your questions, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. First email is from Steve. Hi, Matt. Thanks for all the hard work on your podcast videos and website. I always enjoy them. Look forward to the content. Also, congrats on making it to Pinnacle. I hope to get there someday. So what is your favorite benefit with becoming Pinnacle? Ooh, thank you, Steve, for the question. Definitely the check-in process. You don't have to, if you go in the sweet area, sweet line, to check in. That is huge. That can save a lot of time. So 
I really, that so far is my favorite. The free Wi-Fi is probably a very close second on that one. Next question is from Mark. Thanks for all the great work you and your team do. I took your advice and YOLO, I booked it. I have a four night cruise out of Orlando on Alert of the Seas that I booked some time ago and just booked the three night cruise before it to make it up back to back. The price was too low not to book it. My questions are, when I park for the three day cruise, they'll charge me for the three day cruise. How do I pay for the next four days or do I just pay for the three day? Um, it's kind of a weird question. Honestly, they have no idea how long you're there for. You really could pay for the three and stay for the seven. You could ask them when you get in there. There's usually somebody at the area because when you get into Terminal 1 at Port Canaveral, you pay when you enter the terminal, or pay the garage, rather, I should say. And uh, there's usually somebody standing there who's helping people. You could ask them. For the three-day, I bought an inside cabin. For the four-day, I have a balcony. Can I bring my luggage to the last day of my first cruise to my cabin on the next cruise, or will I need to drag it along with me between cruises? Question. The answer is neither. What you want to do is towards the end of cruise number one, tell your stateroom attendant, hey, I'm changing rooms, staying on board, but I'm changing rooms for the next sailing. Can you help me? I would actually advise you tipping them for the cruise beforehand and then asking this, but that's how you could do it. Lastly, because I booked each cruise at much different times, do I need to go to guest relations on my first cruise? Let them know I'm back. Back? No. They'll have you on the list. You're going to get a letter in your cabin on cruise number one with instructions on what to do for cruise number two. They will let you know where to go at the end of the first cruise, and you'll be escorted on the ship, off the ship rather, and then back on board with everybody else doing a back to back. Thanks for asking my questions. It's like I'm famous when I hear my email questions on your podcast. You are very welcome, Mark. Thank you for your email. Our next question is from Dave Levin. Matt, love listening to your podcast. I've been listening to you since episode five of WDW Today. My wife and I are going our, with another couple on Wonder of the Seas in November on a Western Caribbean itinerary. Both of us are celebrating our 20th anniversaries. We've not cruised since Mariner of the Seas back in August of 2004 for our honeymoon. Our friends have never cruised before. We're going to coast Mayaki and Roatan, due to your recommendation, and a clear kayak beach snorkel excursion on Cozumel. I have a few questions for you. First, do you have any must-dos for us in our other ports of calls, Coast of Maya? We're probably going to do Explore Perfect Day. Let's answer that one first. The must-dos at Coast of Maya, uh, I'm not sure what Maya Key is. I've never been there before, so I have no idea what that is. But I will say, uh, maybe you're thinking of Maya Chan, which is what my must-do recommendation is for Coast of Maya. Maya Chan, not book through Royal Caribbean, just Google it, Maya Chan, you'll find it. Uh, second, is there a place in the various ports to get your passport stamped? No. Um, I've heard you can maybe go to like a bank or a post office, but I've never tried it. To my best of my knowledge, no. Lastly, according to Royal Caribbean's website, our check-in begins on September 21st. Does that mean at 12.01 a.m. or does it mean sometime during the day? It means 12 o'clock midnight, wherever the ship is. So you're going on Wonder, which should be Eastern. But let's assume for a second that Wonder was in a time zone ahead of Eastern time zone because it's over in somewhere in the Atlantic, right? Uh, then it would actually be 11 o'clock Eastern time. So it's midnight local time for the ship, if that's not confusing enough. The good news is that when you log into the app, you go do the check-in, you'll see in the corner of the check-in, the, the current time for the ship to give you an idea. So, Dave, thanks for the email. Appreciate you. Next, we have an email from Katie uh, from Bixby, Oklahoma. Hi, Matt. My family of four from Oklahoma just booked a New Year's Eve cruise out of Miami along the Cosmel Perfect Day. My mom, my mom and sister's family are also going. They're local to Miami. I've cruised 20 years ago, but this will be my family's first cruise. I've been binging your podcast, but I do have a few questions. My brother-in-law has booked a floating cabana at Coco Beach Club. He says it has capacity for eight, but we can add one more or so so all of us can enjoy the cabana. You know, that's true. Yes, you need to buy a day pass, though, 
for the extra people. But yes, you can do that. You can do that for up to about two people or so. Otherwise, it stops floating. But yes, you can do that. Just make sure you get a day pass for the extra. Um, along with the command, my son is nine and pretty good swimmer, but also has special needs. And obviously, the ocean is a lot different than a pool. Are life jackets available at Coco Beach Club, or should we bring one? There are indeed life jackets at Coco Beach Club. They're, they're located near the Infinity Pool. So when you walk into the club, you look at the pool on the right side, there will be swim jackets you can borrow over there. So don't, no need to bring your own there. Katie, thank you for the email. We have time for, I think, one more email. That is coming to us from Ron. Hi, Matt. Been listening as prepping for our first roller coaster cruise after a few on Disney. Just listed episode 511. Someone was asking about bringing car seats. I wanted to share our travels. It has a harness legal in the U.S. and Canada and a lot of other places. We got it for travel a couple years ago, and it works well for three to four-year-olds and up. The vest can strap into a normal three-point seat belt. It's the Rider Safer Travel Vest with Dip Backpack Wearable, and he uh, did send me a link to it. Now, here's the thing. Thank you for the recommendation. Um, and it is very lightweight. It's uh, essentially, in describing it here in audio form, it looks like almost, it looks like a safety vest you might wear. Not quite a life preserver, but a vest that goes around the child's waist and over their over their shoulders. Um, and then it basically locks into the regular seatbelt. Now, there's two problems with this that I can see. And for, I'm not, Ron, please don't take this as pretty. I'm like, how dare you send this to me? I, I appreciate this. I just want to share my two bits of feedback that jump out to me as a parent. Number one, it's expensive, $169. A lot of money to spend on something you may only use once or twice. But unless you cruise a lot, I mean, are you really going to use outside of, you know, the U.S.? I grant you, you put a price on your on your child safety. Fair point. Number two, you said it was good for about kids. Yeah, if it's two and three year old, you had some. If you had a child that was younger or older this wouldn't necessarily work. So it's very much a narrow field of time. Might not fit all kids there. That being said, uh, again, it's called the Ride Safer Travel Vest. And you can get it on Amazon, um, maybe other places as well. So thank you for the recommendation there, Ron. I, listen, I can only tell you this. I'm not telling any of you all what to do with your kids. When our kids were that age, we just put them on our laps. When they got a little bit older, like two or three, we just buckle them in a seatbelt. Um, my parents did that with us when we were kids. We survived. Um, I'm not saying it's a safe thing to do. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I'm just saying it's a practical thing to do in the Caribbean because car seats are a thing and we're unwilling to bring and lug around a giant car seat. This hardest thing is a neat idea. Um, again, it's just, the, it's a little pricey. If it was like a bucks or less, be like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. But, kind of pricey for that. But hey, parents gotta make their own decisions for them. I'm not here to tell you what you should or should not do. Thank you for the recommendation there, Ron. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Real Caribbean Blog Podcast. You can always send me your questions by sending to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.